Thunder. If you're wondering what Victor is referring to, he's referring to this little paper here, our certificate of occupancy. Praise the Lord. It's been two years, a little over two years in the making since we purchased this building and have been battling with the city uh, going through the process. But God is faithful, and uh, even through these last uh, inspections, the contractor had no failures, uh, no failed inspections, so everything went smoothly. And uh, on Friday morning, I received, was it Friday morning? I'm lost now. It's just been one of those weeks. But, um, yeah, Friday morning he called me at 7.31 a.m. and said, hey, you're all set. So uh, I went right away and downloaded this and printed it out. But um, it's exciting news, and uh, we're looking forward to moving into the church property and seeing what God will do uh, there through our fellowship. Um, and so, as Victor said, we have, uh, still have things to do as far as just preparing the building. So when we do open that people can come in and feel comfortable and uh, hopefully come into contact with the living God and receive salvation. And so um, this Wednesday, by the way, we are going to take a break from Psalms and just have a, a Thanksgiving service. When I say Thanksgiving, just thanking God for what he has done, just looking back of, at the journey in a sense. And, and, um, and so if you will join us on Wednesday, it will be a wonderful time. Uh, This morning, we are doing our last Bible study in this building, and it's the last chapter of Romans, and, you know, on Wednesday, I think uh, Lori said, there's going to be a lot of last things here, and and for one, it's going to be a last time people will run behind my back going through the bathrooms. It's going to be a last time they're going to set up these chairs and break them down. It's going to be a last time... That's, uh, well, a last, last time for many things, and um, I'm just so grateful to the Lord for that. Um, so we are, again, in Romans chapter 16, finishing up this book, and then we're going to be moving into 1 Corinthians in the coming weeks. So um, I'm titling this chapter, A Successful Church. A successful church. So if you will join with me in prayer. Father, indeed, we pour out our praise to you. For you alone, Lord, deserve all glory, all honor, all praise. And we're here to honor you with our lives. We are here as we set aside this time on the weekend, Lord, just giving you really the first fruit of our week, Lord, to study your word, to worship you, Lord, to gather in your name and fellowship. Father, I pray that you are indeed pleased and and honored uh, from what we do. And Lord, we look so forward to all that you will do in us and through us uh, as we continue, Lord, to just make our way through your word. And so we ask your blessing upon this time, and uh, we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Amen. It has been said that behind every successful man, there is a supportive woman. You guys agree? Amen? Ladies? 
It's also been said, well, I'm making this one up, behind every successful pastor, there is a supportive church. You see, oftentimes a pastor will kind of, in a sense, be in the limelight, you know, get all of the focus, all of the, hey, wow, great job that you're doing. But what people don't realize is behind that pastor is a lot of faithful people, a, a church that is, is dedicated, that's hardworking, that is supportive. And even as we come to the end of this book, Romans, we see this. If you look at Romans 16 and just gloss through, you will see a list of names, and it's easy to say, uh, just names. No, listen, every name represents something to the writer, Paul. Uh, some way they have encouraged him and built him up and supported him. And Paul is grateful for all of these people because Paul is who he is because he have a church who supports him. Now, if you would look in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, Paul says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she needs, she has need of, for indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Now, again, behind every successful pastor, there's a, a faithful church, but we, we know in the church they're serving sisters. They're serving sisters. And Phoebe is one of them, and Paul says, receive her in the Lord. You see, Phoebe, when Paul wrote this, we didn't have internet, we didn't have facts, we didn't have, you know, the post office or FedEx or UPS. Uh, mail had to go around in a different way. So when Paul wrote this letter, he had to get it to Rome. And here's the sister that says, here I am. I'll, I'll, take, I'll deliver the message. I'll deliver the letter to the Roman church. And how, uh, what a blessing that here's a woman that is faithful in doing that. And could you imagine? Just think of it for a second. If this woman said, nah, I don't want to go. If along the way she said, this is a, I read the letter, I don't like it, and she threw it away. Listen, we would have been missing out on one of the richest letters in the New Testament, the book of Romans. But here again, a woman, and I notice and I note a woman. Why? Well, you see, there, were, there are those who will say, well, Paul is a chauvinist. You know, he don't like women because of the, the comment that he made that women, well, he do not permit women to teach in the church. And so because of that and others as well, they say, well, Paul is a chauvinist. Listen, Paul valued women. And when you look at Paul's ministry, he was surrounded by women that, he, that encouraged him and as well as they, uh, they encouraged him and he encouraged them. And so you will, if you will look at the scripture, you can't come away with that understanding, if you understand indeed the scriptures. You see, women in the church are unique. They are a blessing. And, and could you imagine if this church or all of the churches were just made up of men? That would have been a bad thing. But women, oh, you, you just need women in the church. They, they, they give so much. But I want you to notice what Paul says about 
Phoebe. He said that she is a, a servant. That word is the same word that is used to describe Jesus, a minister, or even, some of you know this word, a deacon or deaconess. You see, she was the type of person that says, you know what, I am here to serve the body. I am here to serve the church. And how valuable that is. You know, her name, by the way, means radiant. And as she serves, she is radiating. I can only see her serving with a smile. I can only see how the, the church is just being blessed by her service. And because of that, listen, she has become a vehicle of the gospel. You see, people think that in order to share the gospel, you have to be in the pulpit. Listen, you can clean a toilet. You can take care of, well, as so many have been here, setting up chairs and breaking down and cleaning up. Listen, you know what that does? It enables me to not have to worry about certain things so that I can commit myself to the study of God's word and to prayer. You see, this, what I'm doing is very important, but this, what you guys are doing, those who serve, is very important as well. You know, I'm going to receive a reward for delivering God's word. And for everyone who received the message, the gospel, I believe the Lord is going to bless me and reward me in heaven for that. And I look forward to that. But understand, all of the labor that I am doing and, and, and the, the blessing and the, the reward that I will receive. Listen, if you have partake or partook in the labor, you will receive that same blessing, that same reward. So don't think just because you're in the background that you're not going to be rewarded. A matter of fact, I think you probably will receive more rewards than me. Because why? Well, some of you give me a pat on the back. I received this morning a pastor's appreciation back. I said, please don't do that. You know why? Because I want my rewards in heaven. But you guys often will work behind the scenes. And, and listen, no one is patting you behind the back. But listen, Jesus one day will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of your master. Listen, you want to hear those words. Be a servant. Be a, a Phoebe in the church. And then we see in verse 3, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now, notice it says Priscilla and Aquila. Can you tell which is the guy, a couple, which is the girl? Well, Priscilla is the girl, and Aquila, he is the guy, or is it the other way? No. <laughs> this is a, 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 a wonderful couple. You see, in the church, in, in the, for every successful pastor, there are dynam dynamic duos in the church. There are couples who are serving faithfully. You know, when Gigi and I got married, we began to uh, attend Calvary Fort Lauderdale. And it wasn't too long that, man, we got involved in ministry, listen, together, together. And it's been a blessing. We've been doing ministry ever since. And, and everywhere I go, I, I want her with me. And I, I, I often say this, even as we go on the men's retreat, I'm trying to figure out how I can sneak her in, you know? I want her by my side. Why? Well, there's the spiritual intimacy that develops when you're serving together. You know, when we come here and we serve and we go home, we, we share the joy of, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you who I pray with. Who, and we enjoy that together. You see, there's people who... Well, they're doing everything separate. And, and you're living a kind of a separate life. 
You're, you're, you have your own bank account. You have your own email account. You have, listen, and you're doing it. Listen, do it all together, man. And this is going gonna, gonna to bring a bond to you. Listen to what Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they, if they fall, one would lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he is fallen, uh, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Woo. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Listen, a threefold cord, you see in in a husband-wife relationship, there's a third cord, and that's the Lord Jesus. And when you uh, are working together and laboring together, listen, Jesus is that third cord that wraps you and tightens you, that you're not going to unravel under pressure. When things come against you, you're going to be strong. You see, as the writer of Ecclesiastes right, you see, there are benefits to serving together, to laboring together. As he talks about their companionship, you, you get to share in this spiritual adventure that we call Christianity. There's a warmth. There's a, uh, you know, when, when you serve, you, you draw closer to each other. But then there's strength, as he says, um, you know, you are, there are going to be times in ministry when you're discouraged. And to have someone next to you say, hey, come on, let's, let's continue. Listen, it's valuable, it's important. You know, it's been said, well, we all know the statistics that one, uh, uh, one in every two couples get a divorce. But as has been uh, a survey that was done, and I can't remember the exact number, but they say a couple who uh, prays together, reads the word together, who attends church together, who serves together, their chances of divorce is 1 in 1,700. Wow. Why? Because, listen, God blesses that relationship. And Aquila and Priscilla, if you look in uh, Acts chapter 18, that's what, you know, you see their story. But, man, they're serving together. It's so important. And notice he says in verse 4, they risk their own necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their home. You see, this couple, and I'm not sure, I'm I'm speculating. But I I, I just wonder, do they have kids? Are they older? Are they younger? Are they empty nesters? You see, because when you look at their story, they're traveling. And and when it comes to doing ministry, ministry is time-consuming. And it's, 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 it, you know, if you have children, it makes it even tougher, you know. And so I just wonder if they had any children, whether they didn't or they couldn't, or, you know, they're older and their children are gone, and now they're dedicating themselves to ministry. Listen, it's so good when you can serve the Lord again together. And, and you know, I, I know I look at my life, I look at my wife and I, when we got involved in ministry, we, we got involved, we, we prayed with people, we did outreaches, we had Bible classes, we had home fellowship, we were able to do all of those things. And listen, when we got our first child, ooh, it became tough, it became hard, because again, the children consume a lot of your time. But he says in verse 5, well, notice he said that they had 
verse 5, he says, likewise, greet the church in their house. You see, they're doing church in their house. And, and uh, again, I can't help but to just think, where did this church begin? It began in, a, in my living room. And God has taken us from that little living room into now we have 12,000 square foot of, of space that we can use and do ministry. Did I know that Lord would have done that when we started our first couples Bible study way back when? When we, we did that for a whole month and we prepared every week. We're, we're you know, preparing our house. We're putting out food and no one shows up for over a month. I'm like, oh man, we need to give up. No, listen. What would have happened if we had given up? Listen, open your home, open your heart. Say, Lord, we are here to serve as a couple. We dedicate our home, we dedicate our life. Lord, whatever you want, and watch what God will do. I promise you, he will do great things. He says in verse 6, Greet my beloved uh, and you read that word, Ephetinius, <laughs> who is the first fruit of Acacia in Christ. Listen, I don't know why they don't just use Bob and Tom, you know, easy names, you know. But behind every successful pastor, there are new Christians, and I love that. You see, in the church, well, we have the seasoned saints, but man, it is so valuable when you have young, new believers. Why? Well, there's a, a great excitement in the Well, in both the new believer, when they come to know God, the creator of the world, they know their creator and there's this excitement and they go home and say, mom, you know, you need to repent. You know, you need to give your life to the Lord. And there's this excitement. Who are you? Boy, I just finished changing your pamper and you're trying to tell me how to live a life, you know. But there's this excitement in them and as well as in the seasoned saints. Oh, just to see God have taken someone out of darkness into light. There's this excitement. But there's this also an opportunity for discipleship. You know, there's zeal, but you have to have knowledge behind the zeal. Because sometimes when you're young in the faith, you can make a lot of dumb decisions. You know, you're excited, you're doing for the Lord, but you can make a lot of mistakes. And so it's good for the seasoned saints to come in and say, let me walk with you. Let me show you the the scriptures and teach you the things of the Lord. And guess what? As a discipler, it's causing you to grow deeper. As you study, and it's causing them to grow up, you know, moving from milk to meat, you know. And so it's so important for this thing to happen. There's this exchange that happens from the older to the younger as, as this maturity, as the Lord matures all of us. And so he says, in, again, in verse 6, greet Mary who labored much for us. Greet Adrionicus and Junia. My countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of, the, uh, of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Now, number four, behind every successful pastor, they are fellow prisoners. Uh, I'm not speaking of Craig, which is a prisoner former, but... You see, Paul recognized as he went through ministry, and you know Paul was arrested a couple of times for preaching the gospel. And in a prison cell, and the cells back then are no, uh, there's nothing compared to what we have today. Even when you look at a prison cell today, it's just a, a, you know, a small room, probably the size of my bathroom, with two beds, a sink, and a toilet. And in there, you probably have two inmates 
that they do life together, that they do life. When you go into the restroom, listen, you ain't hiding, you know. <laughs> that person that's there with you, they get to see your good and your bad, and in some cases, smell it too. <laughs> listen, Paul says, my fellow prisoner. You see, in the church, we are prisoners of Christ. And we choose to be prisoners. We choose this life that, hey, I'm choosing to stay here with Christ. But listen, we're fellow prisoners. And that is so important because why? Well, you see, in prison, there are some that will come and go. But as prisoners in Christ, if we are brothers in Christ, we will say, you know what? I, I, I can see your good points, but I also see when you mess up. But I'm choosing as a prisoner to stay with you, to hang out with you, to see you through, man. You know, I look for the last four years and, you know, Robbie and, and Jesse and um, Robbie, Jesse, Sally, Jesse, Raffi, Robbie, Jesse, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the worship team and, and so many others. Man, for how many years they have been faithfully come in and setting up and breaking down and practicing. Every Saturday evening, they, they're practicing. And, and guess what? There are times when I had to confront them. And it's not easy and wasn't fun. And there had times when they had to confront me. But guess what? They weren't offended. You know what they did? They say, well, we just got to work it out. They're fellow prisoners with me. I'm, fellow, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not. You can go, but I'm not going. <laughs> no. But you see, that's what's supposed to happen in the church. You see, there's, again, those, those who will come and they will say, it's too rough, it's too small, it smells here, but, but and I'm out of here. But listen, there are those who will say, you know what, we're going to work this out. We're going to stick in there. Verse 8, he says, greet Amplius, my beloved in, Christ, in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow workers in Christ, and, and Stacy." My beloved, greet Apelus, approved in Christ. Greet those who are in the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the house of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet uh, Taphenia and Trophosa, who has labored in the Lord. Greet beloved Persis, and, uh, who labored much in the Lord. Now, as we look at these names, we will see that behind every successful pastor, there are fellow laborers. There are laborers. Every, uh, you ever watched a woman? Some of you are women, so you know what it means to labor. You know, when Gigi was pregnant and was going into labor for, with Hannah, she went 40 hours. That's a work week of labor. Oh, I was tired. The first night at 11 o'clock, I was gone. Wake me up when you're ready, you know. (laughs) And after the delivery, I was out. I was tired. And she labored. Praise the Lord that she labored and not me. (laughs) (laughs) But in the fellowship, in church, people don't realize how much labor goes into preparing a meal for the flock. Uh, people think that I've heard a guy said, oh, man, I, I need to be a pastor. Just, just, you know, go up there on Sunday and preach for 30 minutes and get paid big. Uh, listen, any 30 minutes, I, I, I spend hours and I ain't getting paid much, you know. So that's out the door. It's not true. 
You know, yesterday, I'm not saying this to boast, but just to give you an idea, I was out putting on carpets at the church at 8 o'clock last night and still wasn't finished with my message. So guess what? On my sleepy eyes, I had to go home and finish my message for today. Listen, it's labor. And I thank God for people like Craig that will say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be there. You know, um, Becky, on this week, she came twice and, and she was painting doors. I, I thank God for laborers. Because again, when you labor, something is produced. A birth happens. And listen, that birth you know what we're laboring for? You know why I labor? You know why so many people labor? Listen, listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, my, ch- my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until what Christ is formed in you. What, what is my labor? What, why, why are we laboring? Because why we want to see Christ formed, birthed in you. And so we will labor We will go through the pains. And so, while I may do a lot of labor, and I know there's the Sunday school teachers, there are those who are working behind the scenes just so that Christ could be birthed in people. He says in verse 13, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mind. I love this. You see, behind every successful pastor, there are mothers This morning, I I received a burrito. Guess what? A mother is taking care of me in the church. I have water here every every Sunday, every Wednesday. There's water in my my podium. Who puts it there? Well, there's a mother in the church. You see, what does mothers do? Well, they look around and they're nurturing. Uh, Sometimes I, you know, I'm sure you guys have experienced this. You are getting ready for church. And then you go out to the car and you're thinking, where is that woman? Why is she not coming out? Uh, well, I don't blow the horn. I mean, you guys do that. And, and, and you're burning up. And then here comes the wife and she has bags in her hands. And what is the bags? Well, in the bags have water. They have crackers. It have raincoats. It have you know, everything for every weather. Why? Because she want to make sure when we go out that the kids are well taken care of. And that's what mothers do. They take care of their, their children. And, and in the church, there's mothers that will say, what, what, what's going on? Let me, let me, ooh, you, let me you have a, a boo-boo. Let me kiss the boo-boo. You know, they're, they're taking care of you. And how valuable are mothers? You see, when you're sleeping at night, sometimes the mothers are praying for you. You're being covered in prayer as they remember the children of the Lord in the church. But not only mothers, Paul didn't mention fathers, but in, I believe, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul said that he's a father as well, you know. I'm like a father to you. And, and there's fathers, and how important are fathers in the church? Because why? what does fathers do? Man, fathers provide and, and protect. Oh, who are you? What are you here for? I have a rod. Get out, you know. How important are Moms and dads in the church. He says in verse 14, greet. Uh, I'm going to re- miss some of these names. Verse 15, I see Julia. That's an easy one. <laughs> verse 16, greet one another with holy kisses. The churches of Christ greets you. Now I urge you, brethren, not, uh, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to doctrine, uh, which you learned and avoid them. 
For those who are such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, if someone is causing division and offenses, Paul says to note them, number one, and avoid them, number two. But I wanted to be clear that Paul is talking about people who are using doctrine to cause division. He's talking about doctrine. Uh, People are going to offend you. People are going to rub you the wrong way. And we are to, as brothers and sisters, deal with those things. But when there's someone who causes division from doctrine and they're teaching doctrine, uh, uh, teaching something that's contrary to doctrine, then Paul says, note them and avoid them. Now, when we were in Fort Lauderdale, we served, Gigi and I served in the couple's ministry, and we served under Pastor Chet. Pastor Chet, he poured into us, he discipled us. We loved him. And uh, we served under him, and we were privileged to do that. And at one point, he was called to go out to the mission field, and so another pastor came in on board. His name, Pastor Fidel Gomez. Some of you know him. Uh, the Pastor Bob's Mexican friend, you know. But um, Pastor, Pastor Fidel came in, and, and we had a group of, you know, couples that were serving under um, Chet, and they loved Chet. But when Fidel came in, people started grumbling. And listen, I was one of them. And we'll get in our little groups and say, yeah, I don't like what he's doing. He's changing this, and he's doing this. And we were grumbling. And you started to see people stop serving. They were not coming out to help with the couple's ministry and, and, and I was almost, I was almost there until Pastor Chet returned and he said, hey, what's going on? And I started to com- complain and grumble. As soon as he heard me say, Fidel, he said, yep, don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Oh, you convicted. Well, you see, when he said that, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said this, don't be a part of the problem, be a part of the solution. Be a part of the solution. What are you going to do? And listen, from that point on, it was a turning point in my life personally. Because why? instead of running from the problem, I went head forward into the problem. And that ministry was able to be developed, the, couple, the, the premarital ministry. And it, when we left, I looked back and I said, wow, look at what God has done. Look at what I would have missed out on if I had to run, if, if I wasn't stopped. If I had continued the grumbling and with everyone else, just run. I say this because understand if there's an offense in the church, there's an unwritten, you know, I say unwritten, but it is written, a rule of what we are to do. And, and it is written in Matthew chapter 18. If someone offends you, you are to go on to that person, according to Matthew chapter 18, one and one, face to face. Hey, you are doing this. You're offending me or whatever the the grievance is. Hey, this is what's going on. It's so important that you do it face to face and not through phone, not through email or any other thing or through a friend. Listen, face to face. That is what is what's supposed to happen, because what happened? You see, there's times when we're going to misunderstand each other. And by talking it through, you're going to be able to see eye to eye. But there's still times when after doing that. You still can't see eye to eye. The Bible says again, Matthew chapter 18, that you are to grab one or two other people and bring them with you to confront that person. Because guess what? You might be the wrong party. And we all want to know and think that we're right. And if still there's not a 
a way to resolve that issue, then you take it to the church, the elders, the pastor, and then they will, they will uh, deal with that problem. Now, if you are listening to um, accusations against someone, the Bible said that is gossip, and it is sin, and we know, well, that's a serious thing in the church, because Gossip is sinful because it, it, it often is based on things that are not true or, or you know, it's things that, that are hearsay. And, and a lot of times it's not based in love. If you love someone, you should be willing to confront them and say, hey, you have spinach on your teeth, you know. You, you're supposed to be able to do that. But what ha- happens when you gossip? It poisons the mind of those who participate and once a word leaves your mouth, you cannot take it back. You, you forever change the view of someone against someone else. Now, as a shepherd, I have to, in, in times, at times, you know, put an end to some of the gossip. And I, I want to share something, and it might get a little heavy here, and I, and I think it's very necessary for our church especially since we are going forward, because I want nothing to hinder the work of God in this fellowship. You see, there's someone who have, in the previous weeks, made an accusation against Tim. Uh, Tim, you know, uh, we brought him on board as an elder. And Tim, you know, people uh, really don't know who Tim is, because why? Well, for a long time, matter of fact, Tim has been a part of our fellowship longer than Pretty much almost everyone here except uh, the Phipps and Victors, um, and I think that's about it. But he's been a member of this church. Not here locally, but he's been a member of the church. And and so as he comes on board, uh, the accusation that was made against him is that he's influencing me in a negative way. They also said, that person said, that he uh, was... um, well, they're accusing him of wanting to overtake the church, to take the church. They're also accusing him of <clears throat> not having love. He was also accused of, um, well, let me say this. The things that they were accusing him of, as a shepherd, it hurt me. It not only hurt me, it hurt him. And understand it hurts the church. I'll tell you why. Because in my excitement, oh, praise the Lord, here's a guy who was planning to come up here to be a pastor several years ago. And the Lord delayed it. And now here he comes and he said, you know what? I'm going to step in and help you wherever. And I'm excited because why? Well, this preparing Bible study is very difficult sometimes. And to have someone that I can say, hey, at the drop of a dime, can you fill in for me? I can do that. And, and, and for someone to throw that out, and, and I'm saying this because I don't know who is, who's have heard these accusations, and I want to be able to quench it. Let, I, let me reintroduce Tim to you, because I probably didn't do a good job. Uh, if someone is saying that he is not a person of love, listen, when we were in Fort Lauderdale, we served with Tim and Alice in the couple's ministry, and they served faithfully. Uh, when we were asked to become house parents for foster children, Gigi and I, listen, we turned it down. You know who, t- who took it on? Tim and Alice. 
And they served in that ministry over, I believe, 50 children over a couple of years. They fostered and become parents to them, loving on them, even going beyond when they, they stopped serving. They, they had two uh, a, a, a brother and sister that they, they pretty much brought into their lives and take care of them. And, and still to this day, they're still pouring into them. And this was years ago. When, when Pastor Bob, as he, you know, that is a big ministry, as people are sending, uh, you know, their concerns and whatever through email, guess who's there, um, you know, responding to them? It's Tim. When people get sick in this church, you know who was down for a lot of praying for people here? It, it was Tim. You know, there's a couple that, well, the wife went through a, a, a sickness that almost took her life. You know who took, paid her, her and her husband bill for over a year? It was Tim. When you look at, again, our church, Tim has been serving on our board, helping make decisions for this church. Not only this church, but I also believe in another church, another Calvary in, in Michigan. Again, I can go on and on. And I want you to know who he is because why? I said it affects me because, hey, listen, I want a team of guys who I can depend on. And if people are not trusting in the people that I put in place to say, help, let's help move this church forward that we can do a work for the Lord. If you are doubting the people that's in leadership, guess what? It's discord. When Moses was being confronted by those people that, well, who made you boss over us kind of deal? You know what happened? The ground opened up and they were swallowed up. God put an end to that. Listen, that causes discord. It causes division and gossip destroys a church. Please, please, if you're hearing gossip, close it down. If someone is bringing you, saying an accusation, tell them, go do Matthew 18. Go and confront that person. Work it out. But don't listen to it because, again, as soon as you listen to it, it, it changes your view of that person forever. <laughs> listen, I, I want to say this. If you were looking at Tim and, and want to find weaknesses, you're going to find him. And, I, and Wednesday night, as he shared from the pulpit, uh, from his Bible study, he said, you know what, I'm not a person, I probably have, you know, 90% truth and 10% love. No, listen, you don't know Tim. He is 100% love and 100% truth. Yeah, he may be rough around the corners, but that's what I love about him. Because why? I, I, might, I might be graceful and he might slap you, but it's still in love, you know. We need that. Just like Fidel, some people, you know, I was uncomfortable with Fidel. I came, ended up, I almost, you know, I asked Pastor Fidel, can you come up here and do our dedication service? Why? At first, I didn't like him. But once I get to know him, it changed. Get to know people before you throw stones at them. See, Satan is the real enemy. Mark him, Paul would tell us. Mark him. He is the enemy. He wants to come and kill and steal and destroy. He is the one who wants you to be suspicious of people. He is the one who is the father of life. He is the one. But let's give people the benefit of the doubt in here. Uh, uh, Let me just move on. Verse 19. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad of your behalf. 
but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And uh, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. You see, the Roman church, as Paul would put it here, was known by all because of their obedience to the word. They followed the, the teaching of the scriptures. Their obedience to the word equals a greater impact in the world. And I'm praying, I'm hoping that, that that is what will be said of us. As we are obedient to the word, Lord, I want to follow this. I want to be faithful to this, that the Lord will impact the world around us. He says, be simple towards what is evil. You know, some, uh, Victor, I was talking to Victor, and he, you know, he was sharing how someone was telling him about the, some of the bad things that's going on in the world. He said, I don't want to hear it. He wants to have a pure mind. That whenever he hears something, it just grieves him. I don't want to be desensitized, basically. And sometimes we be careful because we allow everything, especially with social media. And all, we watch everything. We consume everything. Be simple towards easy, about the things that are, are evil. He says in verse, the second half of verse 20, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace. Oh, what a wonderful thing that we have to know God's grace. And grace is what should guide us, not gossip, grace. When people come to you again, have grace. Before you cast the stone, say, you know what? Let me give them what they don't deserve. Let me give them grace and let, me, let them prove me wrong, you know? Um, and so he says in verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, that guy is handsome, by the way. And, so, uh, and that, but that's what his name means, handsome, by the way, if you don't know that. Uh, I won't charge extra for that. And, uh, and so you have this other guy, and my countrymen, all of these guys greet you. Verse 22, I, Tertius, who, uh, Tertius, Tertius, <laughs> who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. So Paul here, um, you know, sharing some of these other guys that greet him as he writes this letter. Verse 23, Gaius, my host and host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Cortius, uh, a brother, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. This is Paul's second closing in this chapter. Amen. And uh, he says, you know, basically Gaius, um, he says, Gaius greets you. And, you know, Gaius is a man of hospitality. He opened his home to Paul, but also to the whole church, you know. Um, he, he just had that, that heart of hospitality. And I see this. Um, you know, a couple of times people call from out of town and say, hey, you know, we have someone coming into town. Can you open your home? And, and Craig and Karen will open their home. Brian and Lynn. Hey, you know, we are available. Man, what a gift of hospitality to have in the church. He says in verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophets, uh, by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the command, the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through jesus christ forever amen you know paul again as we just close this i want us to think of ourselves not as individuals yes we are but man we are the body of christ we are living stones and god 
takes each of us and he, he builds this thing called the church, not with brick and mortar. That building that we're, we, we are preparing is not the church. I'm glad that we have a place to worship, but I, I'm even more happy when we as the church become the body, the living body, all of us coming together and doing their parts. We have an awesome opportunity ahead of us. And I pray that each person here will say, you know what? I know what my calling is. And if I don't, let me find out. Lord, show me what my calling is because I want to be a part of this work. I don't want to just live life. I don't want to just go through life, going to work every day and coming home, eating dinner, getting up in the morning, going to work. I don't want that. I want to glorify God with my life. So, Lord, as I am a part of this body, use me. Plug me in that you may be glorified. I pray that is our heart. And let me close by saying this. If you are not, let me back up. If you don't know that if you were to die today, that you will go to heaven. If you you know that you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, the Bible makes it simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, and you trust in him that when you stand before God, that all of your sins, all of the things that you have done that will, that really will bring you a life sentence in hell, if you put your trust in Jesus, the Bible said that your sins will be washed clean and you will stand before God as righteous, not as condemned. And so we all have that opportunity. And I pray if you haven't done that, man, you pray that prayer, Lord. Forgive me. I believe in your son. Wash me of my sins. Listen, the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. So if you will close with me in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, as we go through this chapter and, again, just see what makes a successful church. Successful church is made of people, people that you have saved, that you have changed, that you plug into the church and give them responsibility. Father, that you will do the same for each person here. To build us up, Lord, a church that you may be glorified in. Father, I pray even now for all of the things that we have ahead of us, the challenges, Lord, the, uh, the responsibilities, Lord, the outreaches that we're going to do, all of those things, Lord, we put them in your hands, your capable hands, and pray, Lord, that you will bless them, And that you will multiply them, Lord, and allow us to accomplish much. Father, I pray you watch over us and keep us, Lord. We, your people. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.